Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Been wanting to do this episode for a long time. Kyle from Wax Museum, the Wax Museum podcast, one of my faithful listens. He's faithful to, to produce them, and I'm faithful to listen to them. All about basketball cards, which I love. I won't say what sport I love the most, but basketball is way up there. So thanks, sponsors, Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Who doesn't love basketball cards? So we're going to do basketball dueling questions, Kyle. I know that is in your sweet spot for sure. So welcome to my podcast. I look forward to being on yours. Really enjoy your wax museum. So welcome to the show and hit me with your first basketball shot. All right. I appreciate it, Dr. Beckett. So I like to think about what could be sometimes because we always talk about what we've got in front of us. So if you were Panini today and having a very limited basketball in, how would you utilize some of the previous licenses with baseball, with Pinnacle and some of those brands and select in a way that they haven't done so already? How would you do that for basketball? You're saying talk about some of the things they, they're doing in uh, football and baseball, that mm-hmm. with the especially with the full license in basketball, right? They, and they can and a lot of energy in that category. They could bring, they could do even better with the hurdle that they don't have the basketball history if they want to give a nod to the past. Well, uh, in my perfect world, uh, if I were the czar of the industry, I'd say, hey, Panini, make a deal with Upper Deck and Tops to uh, sub license uh, or lease some of these and get, do a rev share. It'd be okay. great for the hobby. If you're going to have just a single licensee for each sport, then frankly, I think it would accrue benefits to both. Because mm-hmm. Upper Deck has some great classic cards from the, the 2000s and in the early 90s and stuff like that as well. They have a great hobby history in basketball and uh, tops as well, some of their chrome stuff and all that. But actually, it might be Fleer. Who mm-hmm. knew back in the day when the now remaining card companies were divvying up these broken, bankrupt brands and sub-brands that they would really have value. And Brian Gray is laughing all the way to the bank, picking <laughs> right. up Leaf, and he's done well with that. So that's and what then I like. recently, too. So the brands have value. And what you're saying, and now, see, Upper Deck has brought back the arenas. Well, mm-hmm. why couldn't Panini have done that? I'm probably giving you too long of an answer, but but excellent question, Kyle. Okay, I've probably got 500 different Scotty Pippen cards, and nobody wants to look at 500 Scotty Pippen cards. 500 different, even, and maybe it's more, maybe it's less, but it, it's a lot. What's the ideal number for me as a serious collector to keep? In your opinion, as a major basketball guy, how many do I keep, and how many do I get rid of, or? put back into the float. And how do I do that? Do I keep 50 and sell the 450 to some Scotty Pippen person? There's a few of them that are really good, but most of them are just are good cards, but not great cards. So Scotty Pippen, 500 cards. People just get not Zoom fatigue or Instagram fatigue, but just looking at cards fatigue that there's only so many Scotty Pippins they want to look at. And I collected some Scotty Pippen. I had a friend that was one of his agents at one point. And so I thought, maybe Scotty would come over sometime. Scotty didn't even want to look at his 500 cards. Mm-hmm. He might want to look at 50. <laughs> so I thought, if I kept 50, what do you think is the ideal number to be able to show a collector or even an interested fan some representative Scotty Pippen card? And then what do you do with the others that are the five or ten dollar and and even less valuable cards that are still interesting? I would say you got to go with 54 
because we're going to do multiples of nine because we're going to put them in binder pages. Now, the rest of them, unfortunate, you're just not going to win getting rid of the rest of them in lots. And I think that's why people get stuck with so many of these cards. And I'm not even base card bashing. It's just really hard to do something collectively with them other than just giving them away. And, and everyone says, well, give them to kids. Kids don't want Scotty Pippen cards. Kids probably don't even want Michael Jordan cards. A lot of them don't. They want Curry. They want Durant. That's an issue. So unfortunately, I would put them in my dime box at a show, but they're going to sit there forever. And I finally got tired of moving that thing around. I think that's why we end up stuck with them. I wish I had a better answer for you, but I definitely display about 54 of them. Okay. I take your divisible by nine, especially for the 98% of the cards that are vertically oriented. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's another thing. Okay. That's, that's a good answer. I was hoping to get a miraculous answer that would have some wisdom, that, but you're raining on my parade. I get a lot of binder questions too, and I, I still haven't found a great solution. So I've got three or four styles of binders and okay. I'm just going to roll with those. Okay. Your turn. Your question for me. Okay. So I want to know, I've talked to a lot of different people, collectors. I've talked to the co-creator of Chromium Cards, Jim Esker. And I ask him about the greening on Chrome cards. And I hear all different theories. What After all these years of, of looking at these cards, and um, let's go with Finest and then the early tops Chrome Basketball, what is your theory? Why are my cards turning into the Incredible Hulk? I'm not a chemist. I'm a PhD in statistics. And there has to be some oxidation or something that's in the coating. Basically, most of these cards are laminate. That They react to light. They re react to humidity. Again, I'm not a chemist, but it's troubling. And one of the things we thought about when we were doing BGS is how do we retard with the kind of the UV protective resistant slabs? Because that's a, it's a scary thought. Mm -hmm. If something is exposed to whatever element, whether it's light or cold or... I don't know. I, I don't have the answer, Kyle. I wish I did. And one of the things I really like to do is uh, help the hobby have a positive tone. That's There's a lot of negativity associated with that. Really frustrating. So I'm hoping people that are smarter than me in chemistry can figure out what's going on. And if they do, let's try to avoid that problem. You know, right. medically sealing them, I don't know that that's, that's certainly not right for every card. So mm -hmm. I wish I had a better answer for you. And I wish it wasn't even a problem. But uh, yeah. Okay, my turn. You're real big on NBA Finals-oriented memorabilia and cards and things like that. To what extent do you fault Charles Barkley and Carl Malone for having no rings? Do you take them they, down a notch? They get a partial pass in my book because I'm such a Reggie Miller fan. Okay. I, so Reggie's yeah. in that list too. He had the unfortunate timing of running into Jordan, Kobe, young Kobe, Prime Shaq. And then eventually the Pacers ended up running into LeBron, even though Reggie was gone by then. So I, I feel like I've been a victim of those guys always winning titles. I don't want to knock them down because of that. And I think the narrative is going to change a little bit now that we're moving into where everyone just controls where they go. But I don't want to fault the guys, especially from that era. Now, this era, it could be a little different because, and I'm not saying I ascribe to this right now, but maybe in the future, the narrative will be, well, if you didn't push your way onto a super team, you were doing it wrong. Whereas back then that was not so much the case, although Charles did move his way into some locations and he seems to forget that when he's talking on TNT a lot. When he went to Houston, yeah. And he wanted to get out of, of Philly too, I believe. Like I said, and then Malone going to the Lakers, which didn't seem right. Yeah. But anyway, well, my point is Reggie, give Reggie high marks. Pacer through and through. 
There was a, a period where it looked like Reggie was might come back and ring chase with the Celtics after he retired. And I wouldn't have been able to stomach that. So thankfully he didn't do that. I'm a purist. I want, you know, Roberto Clemente, always a pirate. They stole him from the Dodgers, but still, oh, he's a pirate in the big leagues. Yeah. It just seems to me the hobby wants to put extra value on people that are winning championships, but there's just so much you can elevate your team. There's only so many rings to go around. And and when you got dynasties and guys winning multiple rings, we got to cut these guys. But for whatever reason, Giannis now is in that megastar rank, I think. And Luca. He's going to have to win a championship, and he mm-hmm. can't do it by himself. He can get to the first round of the playoffs. Now, I want to see what Giannis ends up doing, though, and I'm not trying to put a footnote on his ring or anything like that. But I think, just in general, anyone that can repeat, regardless oh, of the situation, absolutely. that's that's going to put him on that level. And by the way, I love what Giannis did this year. He surpassed all of my expectations, and the deck will be further stacked against him next year. Mm-hmm. Because they, they rally to the, the other teams rally. Okay, that's what we got to beat. We've got to have an antidote and we've got to have good matchups. Okay, your turn. Okay, we all know there's all sorts of pack pulled stuff. Uh, your publications covered all the cards we could get out of packs. I want to know what's your favorite basketball food related release? Like Bell Brand? Mm-hmm. Back, back with the Lakers. Uh, yeah. Could be uh, Scott's potato chips, the Carnation milk panels, the Carvel ice disc. Yeah, probably the milk panels. I, I basically, that's the kind of stuff when I went to, to the national every year, I would be looking for things that I could put in the book. And there were some football milk panels and a lot of Phoenix Suns, unusual shaped kinds of things. And so picking them up and Hank Reeses and Steve Taft and some of my buddies, again, I was a price guide guy. I wasn't a basketball mm-hmm. card collector for those decades, but they knew that I wanted a type card of anything. And I wasn't looking to get it for free and I wasn't looking to pay a premium and I wasn't looking for a specific guy. I said, I'd like to acquire a card, one of those, so that I could physically show it. There's some mm-hmm. people who say, well, just take a picture of it. But in those days, I just, I'm just i still a collector. I'm going to get the card. And it really came in handy when we started doing BGS because then I had my library of cards, of just a sample from each set in most cases to where people say, oh, those have a waxy film on them because they really were the the panels of milk cartons. So yeah, mm-hmm. probably the carnation stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Okay, my turn again. In their prime, Big O, Oscar Robertson against Jerry West. They go one and two, two and one. Big O was from Indiana. Mm-hmm. I, I went to middle school in West Virginia at the same time Jerry West was at, at WVU. And and we talked earlier about guys that got the ring and didn't. Jerry got his, but certainly not the amount that he should. At the same time, you know, Oscar, that's tough, had Kareem and won his and Bob Dandridge and some of those other guys. And, and actually, we saw him recently when, you know, we were watching Giannis win the title. If I had to pick one, though, man, I'd probably go with Jerry West. It's hard to tell. The thing was, if you remove Gail Goodrich from the equation or Elgin Baylor, some of these guys that he was playing with, the guards not in forwards, not so much Wilt, and that was later on anyway. If you remove those guys, how does he adapt to that? Not that he's any worse of a player, but how does he adapt? And I guess I probably have seen more West stuff to feel comfortable that he would do that. I don't know. That's a tough question. I know the Oscar people are hating me right now. Let me, okay. I, I was going to figure out whatever one you took, I could take the other one. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I really, sentimentally, it's Jerry West for me because I grew up, all the kids in my neighborhood idolized him. And he was truly Mr. Clutch, really amazing. But Oscar Robertson, my sense of him is the opposite of Russell Westbrook. 
in the sense that he filled up the stats. He was a stat machine, but he wasn't hungry like that. He just played the game and was dominant. He had the ball. It's like he had the ball. Nobody could get through him, around him, and he was quicker in his younger days. But it just seemed like he could almost score at will. He was still a team player, and he still had these gaudy stats, but it wasn't because he wasn't grabbing for the stats. Same thing with Jerry West. I think those guys were classic. They wanted their team to win. And Jerry West, if the team needed a basket, he was going to get it. And Oscar, same thing. But you don't average a triple-double if you don't have all the tools. But I think if somebody said, I think Oscar could have done more in in terms of the rebounding and assists. The game looked so easy to him when I would see him play because I am old enough to have seen him play. So anyway, so we can't lose on that. We're not going to resolve that. They're both great guys. The interesting thing is one is black and one is white. And I think basketball has done a great service to America by helping with integration. So uh, I'm, I'm happy about that. The man in the 